Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is your host, Frank Angelos. Pleasure to be with you this week. You know, as we're going to go through the month of June, our conversation this month and what we're going to be focusing on is about insurances, how insurances work, what to be looking for, and, you know, really how to make the right decision, how to be responsible with the financial decisions you make. With that in mind, you know, it's interesting. The Bible tells us to love one another. And whenever I think in terms of that, the right place to, uh, for us to start this week would really be on the topic of life insurance. Because life insurance, when we talk about, you know, insuring in the event something happens to us, we're talking about the fact that we love or care about somebody else or some organization that we care. And with that in mind, my guest today is Rob Pendragus, Vice President Senior Advisor over at CNA Financial Group. So, Rob, pleasure to have you on the show this week. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Frank. So, Rob, you and I have worked together for years. We've been friends a long time. And you really do understand uh, what's behind life insurance. I mean, you've been educating people about it a long time and so forth. And, you know, one of the things that I've observed in the industry is, is that it's such a confusing area and people really don't like the conversation about insurance. And I guess it's Partly because, you know, if I think in terms of insurance, I'm admitting to my own mortality that at some point I may not be here. And so that's one of the obstacles. But then the industry makes it hard as well for me to do it because there's so many different opinions. You know, Frank, that's, uh, that's true. Coming from uh, the industry, my dad being in it a long time, 39 years, the confusion that exists in life insurance is uh, it's actually sad because it's still one of the best financial vehicles that's out there. What is it that you think creates the challenge for people that it, it makes it an uncomfortable conversation that they don't like to, you know, kind of talk about it? So what it, what's your observations been? You know, I think life insurance, Frank, gets lumped in with all the other products that uh, are in the insurance world. People have to pay for them, uh, health insurance, disability insurance, all those vehicles that can really confuse the population. And I think that uh, training and the representatives that are out there pushing some of these vehicles onto the public creates enormous amounts of confusion. You know, Rob, it's interesting when you say that. You know, I'm in the process right now. I'm writing a new book, and the book, you know, pretty sure on the title is going to be called Coerced to Coach the Battle for Your Mind and Money. So that book will be coming out towards the end of this year. And one of the things that I talk about in there is the fact that it's very easy for someone to get into the financial service business. And when I say it's easy, assuming that they've got a clean background, that, you know, that they can pass what I refer to as the industry standard test, they can get a life insurance license or health insurance license, uh, and even get securities registered, they get licensed and they're in. Okay? And all of a sudden they get the right to put on their card financial professional. The public doesn't know if they've been in it a day, an hour, 10 years. This is very true, Frank, and it's actually uh, one of the areas that I think is uh, a problem. If reps were being mentored in a way that uh, they should be in today's world with things changing, with Google, all the things that they can look up, research, reps have the same exact problem. It comes down to quick product sales, leaving the, the population of people out there who are purchasing the, the products very vulnerable. So it's interesting when you say it comes down to the product sales. You know, it, it's interesting is when someone actually comes into the industry, they're usually going to be hired by whether it be an investment company or an insurance company. And if we stay with the, you know, the life insurance conversation, it's an insurance organization which is interviewing them. Okay, so whether it be a large insurance company, small, whatever the case might be, they go for the interview, they get hired by a company, they say, Rob, go get licensed. 
And when they come out of that, what they're receiving at that point is product training. That's right. And so the belief is, and I would assume, is whatever product that that company is going to offer is what that person is going to be trained how to sell. That's correct. And depending on who the company is, what their product line is, uh, whether it's a mutual-based insurance company, whether it's a stock-based insurance company, whatever the training involves is really what the end result of the public is going to receive. You know, it's interesting. You know, when I, I think about that, you don't know what you don't know. And what happens is, is you come into the industry, you get, so you pass the test, and now you're being trained that, okay, here's a product you should go out and sell. Does it mean that you understand the other guy's product <laughs> when you think about it? So how do you know if your product's any good? You know, uh, you have no way of comparing that as you come into the industry as a financial rep and you're new to the business. You're typically selling what it is that you've been trained on by your manager. So whether you're looking at an index product, a variable product, depending on the licenses that you've been able to get and depending on who the organization is is what you're going to end up probably pitching your first couple of years in the business. It's a, what I refer to as a blind faith. So you come into the business, the training that you get is product training. It's a little bit of a blind faith, which is you're going to assume or you're going to hope that you ended up with a company that's reputable and they're teaching you or they've got a good product because, as I just mentioned, you don't know what you don't know. They could have a lousy product, told you it's a good one, but because you have no experience, how would you know? You wouldn't. You also wouldn't know the financials of the company in which is being pitched, which is attached to the actual product. So the rep and the consumer end up in a very difficult situation just from an educational standpoint. Interesting perspective when you listen to that, and we're going to get into that a little bit more uh, in a few minutes. One of the other things which I thought are kind of interesting is, is that you know when people get product training, the other training that they get is what I call sales training. And the sales training is where I think that the biggest challenge becomes in the industry because they do what's referred to as needs-based planning. And I know, Rob, that you've, you've spoken about this publicly in the past, and needs-based planning is a little challenging. Maybe you can share that with some of our listeners. You know, needs-based planning is uh, it's no more challenging than pulling out a financial calculator and doing some simple calculations for yourself. Needs-based, needs-based planning is really creating deficiencies in someone's life. And what happens is is these financial reps that are being trained are coming out and doing this needs-based planning approach. They're creating a very interesting void in your life. They're taking out all the things, college, mortgages. They're subtracting them out and saying this is the amount of insurance that you actually need. And what happens is the population tries to make a decision and says, well, if I don't really need that product, I really don't want to pay for it. And that's where the huge disconnect is. Good point. You know, as you were explaining that, you went through about college and you went through the different things that if I wasn't here that my children would be taken care of. You know, it reminds me of, you know, years back we used to have, and when I say years back, I'm not as old as I sound for my listeners out there, but, you know, there used to be these Jiffy Lubes. And what would happen is, is you would go to a Jiffy Lube for an oil change. It would be like someone coming over and saying, I'm going to do an assessment of your insurances. And so what they would do is, in the Jiffy Lube, they would say, we're going to do this um, oil change, and then we're going to do this 10-point or 20-point check of whatever you have going on. Now, you always knew you were in trouble when the car was on the lift and the service manager does one of these. Mr. Congelos, I'd like to speak to you for a second. And next thing I know, he starts pointing out all my deficiencies or, as we would say, my needs. That's correct. And like anything else, Rob, what would go through your head if I started pointing out everything you needed? Well, you're actually going to go through a very 
common process of trying to deny certain things that are probably going wrong in your car as would be going wrong in potentially your financial plan. And you're going to maybe say, well, I don't need to fix that gasket or I don't need to fix that. What's it going to cost me to do that? You're going to deny all those things and say, you know what, just give me the oil change, change the filter, and I'm out of here. And that's when, you know, years back when I first started in the business because I came in, you know, dealing with some of the insurance companies, I'd hear conversations like this with a client when I was doing these space planning. Well, she'll remarry. I don't want to ruin my kids. Um, They can get a job. You know, nobody ever gave me anything. And what really was occurring was somebody was trying to justify the fact that they didn't want to be put on the spot have to start striking a check for something that they felt that it wasn't relevant to them at the point. Right. Needs-based planning is only creating a deficiency that no one is ever going to buy anything or do anything favorable for their family in reference to a deficiency. They'll only buy a minimal amount. They'll ignore things which, because we're talking about life insurance, they'll ignore what their human life value might actually be. It's a great point. And, you know, in us bringing this up, you know, our show is really a two-part as we talk about insurance. And this week's show is you're kind of picking up. We're talking about some of the challenges. And the reason why we're going through this with all of our listeners is is that we'd like you to understand that we understand um, how you may be feeling, good, bad, or indifferent about the insurance process. But then we're going to really tell you what you should be doing and what really works. You know, there's an interesting statistic that's out which says that, you know, at the end of five years that, you know, this industry hires someone, you know, that there's a certain retention rate. Rob, maybe you can share with our listeners what that retention rate looks like in terms of, you know, they hire a bunch of people. Where are these people at the end of five years? Sure. The retention rate, the reason that, you know, uh, clients are left uh, alone in the business, and we refer to them sometimes as orphans, they're truly left, is because, the rep has really run out of people to see, and one of the reasons they've run out of people to see is because of all the things that we've discussed just a few moments ago. The training, the company, the product. What ends up happening is the rep and the client all end up basically out of the business. What percentage do you think it is, just out of curiosity? Well, I know those stats, Frank. Um, it's uh, 12 out of 100 make it past year four. So that's pretty pathetic when you think about it. And for the consumer, you know, it's, it's interesting is – you know, it's like you'll get an announcement sometimes when someone comes into the business. I'd like to introduce Johnny Jones, was just hired by an XYZ company. You know, it's interesting they never send an announcement that tells you Johnny Jones left the business and you don't have, you no longer have an advisor. Yeah, and it creates a very, very, very bad taste in the consumer's mouth. And oddly enough, people's insurance needs or insurance acquisitions don't disappear over the course of their lifetime. They actually increase as they become more wealthy, as they get older, the adages that you don't need insurance when you're older. All of those things are myths of the industry. You know, it's interesting is when we talk about, you know, well, you don't need insurance when you're older and things of that nature. Um, I was just at a conference. I got back late last night. And one of the things that was interesting when I was at the conference, they started to talk a little bit about life expectancy. And when they were talking about life expectancy, you know, insurance policies, you know, say 10 years ago, if you bought a policy, the policy would go to age 100. So you'd open it up, you'd go through, and it goes renewable to age 100, or this policy ceases at 100, or whatever the case might be. Now the policies are running out to age 120. And I'm listening to comments yesterday saying that with technology, medicine, and everything else, it's conceivable that you could start to see people going well past 120 which is kind of scary you know you look it goes like and the common thing when people say that is like well 
as long as I'm healthy, as long as I have all my wits about me, I don't want to be, you know, just kind of hanging on, you know, at a very old age. But it's interesting when you see that life expectancy. So, you know, when you think in terms of someone who's 35 or 40 years old and they get a 10-year term, they're not even close. Yeah, the, <laughs> the math and the acquisition of insurance there on a 10-year product when you're going to live another 70 years, the rep – the business they've purchased it from or where they've purchased it from has really created a huge deficiency. So needs-based planning, the mixed messages that are in the industry are really, really doing a disservice. When people acquire insurance, they need to look much, much beyond a 10 or a 20-year timeline. Or the insurance, as we would say, will expire before you do. That's right. And then that means you just gave the money away. Exactly. We call that an opportunity cost. So now that we've identified that the challenge thus far is, is that the industry creates the challenge in themselves, which is by doing product training. They do sales training, which is a form of manipulation, you know, is what I call it. They coerce people into buying things that they shouldn't own. And then what also has occurred is this needs-based planning is kind of like I call it headache and aspirin selling. I convince you I have a headache so I can offer you an aspirin. What also has occurred over the years is that to get the easy road out, there's a lot of insurance companies and advisors that have offered products that just illustrate well. And when we talk about illustrating well is they look at, as an, at illustrations as if this is exactly what's going to occur. You know, Frank, those illustrations uh, over the years of being in the industry, I guess I'm 15 years in, those illustrations not only can be misleading – uh, but those illustrations can be manipulated by uh, changes in software. When an illustration is run, typically what you should do is you should be taking that illustration baseline from the company and not making any alterations to it and discussing those vehicles as how they're playing out in today's current environment and not changing those interest rates. You know, uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting is you know, I was talking to a gentleman in the business once, and I said, you know, I noticed here that, you know, you're illustrating this at a certain rate. You know, and we were chatting about it. And I go, how did you pick that rate? And he goes, well, it's the highest rate that I'm allowed to show. I said, is there any relevance to that? The fact that, you know, they're not going to average 10% per year or they're not going to average 12% per year. Uh, and I said, well, if they would let you show higher, would you? He goes, oh, of course I would. It, it makes the product look that much better. So what's happening is is that we're being manipulated a little bit into believing that those illustrations are going to come true, and it's almost like they think it's a promise, despite the fact that on the bottom of the illustration it says, for illustrative purposes only, not a guarantee of future results. Interest rates, dividends, you know, market rates will fluctuate. But we buy those products as if that's fact. You know, there's a lot of truth behind that, Frank. <clears throat> money, actually, uh, in reference to life insurance, that's really all you are is you're buying money. And anyone who takes an illustration or any agent or rep or financial company that manipulates those illustrations is, once again, doing an extreme disservice because those illustrations can never come true, and they should just be run uh, very conservative and very clean. And, you know, one of the things is, you know, there's a guarantee line or a guarantee column for most of the products when they're showing them, and everybody's very dismissive of the guarantee columns. But the reality is, is that the guarantee columns are there for a reason, just to show you what the baseline is if things don't work out just perfect. Right. I think the most important part that gets ignored in acquiring insurance, life insurance, that is, is the pure acquisition of the death benefit. So cash values are only 
or should be a very insignificant part of the conversation. They should be acquired first and foremost for the protection. Good point. So as we wrap up, today we've talked about the issues that we see in the industry. We've talked about the issues that we see with certain products and with the illustrations. And our point to our, you know, to our listeners is to really be aware that sometimes the advice you're getting may come from a lack of understanding by a rep, a lack of being real credible in the illustration, or a company that really does not necessarily have a product that might perform as well as we thought. So our guest on this week's show has been Rob Pendergast, Vice President over at CNA Financial Group, one of the experts on insurance. Rob, it was a pleasure to have you. And I know next week you're going to be on our show. That we're going to do part two. So yep, Rob, part two. Rob, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for being with us. And this has been Frank Congelos. It's been a pleasure to be with you this week. You've been listening to Discovering Responsible Wealth. If you have questions, you could write to us at the Institute of Responsible Wealth, 2431 Atlantic Avenue, Manasquan, New Jersey, or email us at info at ifrw.com. Thank you and have a blessed week.